it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Tuesday, November 8, 2022, Election Day in the USA. I'm Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. It is finally here. Ballots are being cast all across the country, and we've got you covered on our program. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time every weekday. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Lots of ways to listen live, which we encourage, especially on days like this. Podcast, of course, free of charge, on demand every day right there. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on social media, at GuyBensonShow, on both Twitter and and Instagram, a lot of bonus content there. A programming note over on the TV side, in my capacity as a Fox News contributor, I will be joining our coverage tonight, the team coverage of the elections on Fox News Channel throughout the evening. I'll probably be on two or three times. It's always a lot of moving parts, so I can't tell you precisely when, but just tune in and find out. We'll be doing it together. In fact, one of our guests coming up is one of the co-anchors of that special coverage. Here's what we've got for you today. Tom Bevan, Real Clear Politics, his final analysis before the polls close. He will be here later on this hour. In our final hour, we call it the happy hour, Ben Dominich will join us with his predictions about what's going to happen tonight. And then the aforementioned Martha McCallum, who will be co-anchoring with Brett Bayer from 6 p.m. Eastern on on Fox News Channel. I'll be a small part of that coverage throughout the evening as well, as I mentioned A lot going on here on a very exciting day. And on that front, we begin with a Fox News alert. Democracy 2022. Voting underway on this election day. And it's interesting. My plan to open the show today was to go on a little bit of a rant about how much I hate election day itself. Not election eve where there's sort of anticipation, not election evening later on when the votes come in. Election day drives me crazy traditionally because you have all this pent-up energy and emotion and excitement and nerves, anxieties. I think if you listen to a show like this on a regular basis, it's because you care, right? You care about this stuff. And to build toward a big day like this where the American people are going to have their say, and there's all these polls out there and speculation and different narratives, when it finally comes to a head, and it's no longer analysis, it's no longer spin, it's no longer speculation, it's no longer conjecture and tidbits or whatever, modeling, it's actually real, and the numbers are what they are, that's a big deal. And having to wait, it's like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the waiting is the hardest part. You wake up in the morning, with some nervous energy, I'm just maybe just projecting this onto all of you. So I'll speak for myself. This is what I do. I get up usually earlier than I want to because I'm a little nervous. And you just spend the day driving yourself crazy. 
looking for any little morsel of information, often from people you've never heard of before on social media being like, well, this precinct is doing this. This could be a good sign there. This is concerning over there. And then you latch on to little controversies that might be playing out, or maybe not so little ones. We're seeing Maricopa County, Arizona today with some serious issues with their voting process and their voting machines. So, I mean, obviously something we're keeping an eye on in a very, very important state, but these are the things that sort of drive the day as everyone's just waiting for those first polls to close 7 p.m. Eastern time when at long last we get some real numbers. And so that's a familiar pattern. It's definitely something that I'm experiencing today. However, some of the early numbers, and I think it's important to begin with this caveat, The early voting numbers, the turnout reports, the early exit polls or voter voter analyses that start to trickle out earlier in the evening. Beware of all of that stuff. Not just grains of salt, chunks of salt. Right? I think we've all been there before. I wanted to put that disclaimer out there first. But back to the however. I can tell you this. Last night... I had conversations with a few different sources, high-level sources, in Republican electoral politics in Florida. Now, we understand and we've talked about why Florida was very likely to go red this year. But I think Florida, what's happening down there, might be indicative of something bigger. So these people that I spoke to, who I don't believe even know each other. They're not working for the same candidates, but they're watching Florida politics very closely and and the numbers and all of it. Ground game stuff, everything. And without saying more than I can say, both of them separately told me that what they believe is coming in the state of Florida today and then tonight is going to be unlike anything we have ever seen before. It is going to be history shattering stuff in Florida. If you're a regular listener to this program, and I'm going to expand this out to other states in a second, but to stay with me here in Florida, if you listen to this show a lot, you know that I've been looking at some of the polling over the last few months, and, for example, Governor DeSantis, for a while there, was up six, seven, eight points, and Marco Rubio in the Senate race was up maybe three or four points. It was a little bit tight. Then the polling started to look better and better for the Republicans. Then a few weeks ago, there was a whole deluge of polling showing DeSantis leading by like 10 or 11 points. And I said on this show multiple times that I was skeptical that that would actually come to pass. Is it really possible for anyone to win by double digits in a state like that? And you can say, oh, well, the Democrats have lost all the governor's races in that state going back for for years, for decades. That's true. But Democrats have won that state and carried it in the presidential races. We've seen Democratic senators from that state. In 2018, just the last midterm election, the most recent midterm election, the governor and Senate races were decided by less than a point. It is a very close swing state. One of the biggest, most important battlegrounds in the country throughout my lifetime. And yet, these polls were showing DeSantis up, you know, 10 or 11, and Rubio up 7 or 8. I wasn't sure. Then the early data started to come in. And while I'm very skeptical of early data, it was telling a very loud, clear story in Florida. 
a shocking one, with Republicans leading in the early vote heading into Election Day, which is expected to be, or at least was expected to be, even redder. So last night, in these text conversations and phone calls, I was like, you know, when you talk about history being made, what are we looking at? And I will just say that the realm of possibility that was conveyed to me blew me away in terms of what the margins might end up looking like. And then today we're seeing the red wave, certainly in the state of Florida. In the in-person Election Day voting, it is an electoral bloodbath in that state. We are seeing numbers in counties that, I mean, we talked about Miami-Dade, how it might go red for the first time in 20 years. Uh, I don't think it's a might anymore. I saw numbers out of Palm Beach County, an even bluer place, that were just staggering. So look, the numbers aren't in. We can't perfectly predict anything. I'm just telling you, because I I was texting one of these folks very plugged in earlier, hey, what you told me last night, how's it looking today on Election Day? And I got back the response, everything is on track. I will be stunned if Florida is not called at 8 p.m. on the dot as soon as the polls close. Because they'll have had a whole hour of counting, because most of the state closes at 7, then there's the panhandle, which is even redder than most of the state, Just brace yourselves for what's going to happen in Florida. I can't give you an exact number, and even if I was able to tell you what they're telling me, I can't. But let's just say I am less skeptical now that double digits, 10 points plus, maybe plus plus, is conceivable for the governor. And I can't imagine the senator being all that much farther behind. So that's one little tidbit that I can personally convey. I can personally convey another one, Arizona. The strangeness in Maricopa County with these voting machines notwithstanding, and it is crucial, stay in line, vote, encourage your friends to vote. There are multiple things you can do to make sure that your ballot is counted in that huge county in Arizona. The day of voting is heavily red in that state and someone that i know high level electoral political figure very familiar with the statewide races i was texting with that individual earlier and the word of the day is cautious optimism feeling pretty good that would be senate that would be governor Now, it's going to require Republicans doing what they have to do in that state for the next number of hours. None of this happens automatically. It happens because voters go and do it. So don't sit here and say, ooh, Benson's got some tea, and it's good stuff for the Republicans. I guess this thing is going to be a huge red wave. There are some indicators that maybe, yes, that's going to be the case. Run through the tape. Be the wave. Go vote if you haven't already. Nevada, John Ralston is sort of the soothsayer of Nevada politics. He's a liberal. He always roots for the Democrats. That's my impression of him. I don't think it's really that subtle. He's been saying things are different this year. Things are looking better for the Republicans. He did pick against 
Adam Laxall. His prediction was that Catherine Cortez Masto is going to hang on in that race, in that Senate race out there, which would be a big blow to the Republicans if he's right. However, we talked about some of the weather yesterday with Janice Dean. Seems like the weather may have held off in some of those important areas of Nevada. And the election day voting in some key locations, Clark County, Washoe County, are looking pretty robust for the Republicans. So we'll see if Ralston's overall analysis of the state is right and his pick against Laxalt turns out to be wrong or maybe very wrong. He did pick the Republican gubernatorial nominee to win. But again, hours to go, and it's even longer out there in the West. But if you want some early little indications of what might be coming, there are... More than a few. And I would say they are almost uniformly positive if you're looking for a Republican win. But a lot can change. Maybe a bunch of Democrats vote in the afternoon and early evening and things shift and the math gets different. Take nothing for granted. Nothing should fuel complacency. Just the opposite. Here's one more thing I'm going to share with you. Dave Wasserman is at the Cook Political Report. He's the guy who you might have heard of on social media. He's got an impeccable record of calling races, often long before the Associated Press or, like, the mainstream media. He knows this stuff like encyclopedic brain when it comes to politics. He's a lefty, too. But, you know, he he called the races in Virginia early last year, and he was right. His track record is almost perfect. And he tweeted just a few hours ago, and he's the one, by the way, who says, I've seen enough. And then he makes his announcement of who's going to win the race. And 99 point something percent of the time he's correct about that. So people really pay attention to Dave Wasserman saying, I've seen enough. Well, he hasn't seen enough yet because the polls are still open for hours all across the country. However, he did say this just after 1 p.m. Eastern time, quote, it's pretty apparent from precinct-level data in Virginia and county-level data in Florida that Democrats have a turnout problem today, one that's unlikely to be solved in the next six hours. And he is sounding the alarm with some more specificity about some of what he's seeing in Virginia and Florida, which is also some of the stuff that I'm seeing that I'm telling you about. There's another Virginia expert who goes by not Larry Sabato, which is kind of funny. He's a Dem. He knows Virginia backwards and forwards. He might have been the very first person to call Glenn Youngkin the winner correctly here in Virginia last year, right across the river from D.C. He sounds positively panicked on his social media feeds. He's using that word panic about Democrats and turnout in Virginia where he's saying it is not looking good for his party and it is looking scary good for the Republicans. So, again, it's very early. There's a lot of work that still needs to happen. Go vote. If you're in line, stay in line. Every vote matters, especially in some of these key races. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens automatically. If you want the wave, be the wave. But if you're rooting for the wave, 
you've done your part or you're on your way to do your part, at least for now, as we come on the air, I'm here to tell you that a wave of substantial proportions is very plausible at this hour. And we will be watching it closely throughout today's show and, of course, tonight on TV as well. Just getting started. Election Day in America. Election Day on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We're back as we're waiting for the polls to close. Here's an update on the border crisis, something that we continue to follow here on the show. The numbers for October are in, and they're terrible. In fact, they are much worse than they were a year ago. October of last year, 159,000 encounters at the border. This past October, the first of the new fiscal year, 205,000 encounters at the southern border. Bill Malugin, our colleague, reporting 64,000 known gotaways that month alone. Last month, 64,000 known gotaways. Thousands every day. Meanwhile, interesting story relatedly in the Atlantic. The Democratic mayor of Del Rio, Texas, who is a gay Hispanic military veteran seen as a rising star in Texas politics, he just abruptly quit his job. Recently, Tim Alberta reporting this. And the question is, why? Why did he quit the job? He said that progressives exploit the suffering at the border to raise money or get booked on TV shows. But he says they won't actually come and see it for themselves. Why not? Quote, because it's a romanticized ideology. It's easy for them to romanticize the whole situation. Oh, they're struggling. They need help. They're coming here for a better life. It's harder for them to come and look at the bodies of people who have died in 107 degree heat. Kids who drowned, border patrol agents who they're so opposed to trying to help pregnant mothers. None of this fits their narrative. The reporter asked this former mayor now, Lozano, what he wants Democrats to do about the border crisis. Response, he laughed. Democrats refuse to even call it a crisis. They're gaslighting me, he said. That is from the recently resigned mayor of a border community, speaking to his own party. Attention voters in Arizona, Nevada, and elsewhere. Tom Bevan coming up next. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Back here on the Guy Benson Show, our website, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free when the show is over every day. Catch me tonight on the Fox News Channel special election coverage starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. One of the co-hosts of that coverage, co-anchors, will be Martha McCallum. 
She'll be our guest coming up a little bit later here on the program. With us now is Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RealClearPolitics.com. Tom, welcome back. Good to be with you. All right, let's start with a few things that I've seen you posting about today on social media involving this weird situation out in Arizona, the biggest and most important county in that state, Maricopa County, having something of a meltdown. I'm not sure if they've gotten it squared away yet, but for a while there were long lines. Votes weren't tabulating properly. I saw that you were posting about it. I guess you have some some family out there. What do you know? Well, my parents live in East Mesa, and my mom texted me this morning. They got up and went. I think the polls opened at like 630 there. Um, and they went and to the location that they normally go to to vote, and there was um, there were a hundred like 115 people waiting in line, and they were told that the machines were broken, um, and you know so they went to a different location, and there were 90 people at that location. Machines were broken there as well, so that was the first hint. And then I I got online and started searching around, and sure enough, you started seeing these things pop up that. That was happening at multiple locations, and now we know that according to the Maricopa County Elections Department, the chairman said 20 percent, about 20 percent of machines at the 223 locations in Maricopa County have tabulators that are not reading properly. And so um, this is a big mess, and and they're trying to say, you know, just put your ballot in these in, in this drop box, um, and they'll be tabulated. You know, later tonight by hand, um, but it's just it's astonishing that in a in a county that big, that important, uh, especially having two years to to get your stuff together after the last election, which obviously there was a lot of controversy there as well. That this something like this would happen. I mean, it's just it's it's really mind boggling. You know, Tom, I'll just make a quick public service announcement. Uh, If you are out in Arizona and if you are a voter in Maricopa County, uh, both parties are saying, and the Republicans are saying this to the Republican campaigns, if you want to drop your ballot off in one of these boxes, they will be monitored by people from both parties. They will be counted in front of representatives from both parties. So your vote will get counted. Make sure to vote. Don't get discouraged by these reports. And I know they're working on it. Uh, So that's, number one, very important. Number two, and this goes to Arizona and really many other states as well, just me on my soapbox for a second, everyone stop what you're doing after this election. Study how the state of Florida does their elections and administers them and does the counting and just replicate what they do in Florida. It is a very sensible, clean system that they put in place after they screwed everything up so badly in 2000. They took it seriously. They got it right. And I think really everyone should look very closely at what Florida does. And lastly, on this point, Tom, am I not mistaken or is the gubernatorial nominee for the Democrats in Arizona the acting secretary of state, the, the, the sitting secretary of state, whose job it is to oversee elections, among other things, and to make sure that huge screw ups like this don't happen? Well, here it's happening on a big you know, typically Republican-tinted turnout day in her state with her on the ballot, it's not a great look yet again for Katie Hobbs. Right. I mean, the Democrats have banked a good portion of their vote early in early voting, and obviously everyone knows Republicans are the ones who turn up on Election Day. And I think 
today more so even than in, in the past because they have concerns about early voting and the like. And so for this to happen, uh, you know, it will disproportionately impact Republican voters. There's no question about it. Um, and listen, it invites and, – and her being the Secretary of State, it invites this you know, skepticism and questions about whether this is on the up and up. And certainly if this – and this is one of the – both of these races are two of the tightest races in the country. And you can bet if Carrie Lake and Blake Masters lose this election by half a percentage point or a percentage point, 10,000 votes or something, I mean it's – there, it's going to be problems. I mean, there are going to be problems. It's going to be very, very difficult. And so, let's hope that that it doesn't work out that way, and that you know they get this stuff fixed, and everybody who wants to vote is able to vote, and and they get through it. But man, what an unbelievable screw up! Uh, you know, at such a critical time, and under a, such a, a huge spotlight. Yep, and I will say just to reiterate, both the Lake and Masters campaigns are saying. Stay in line, vote, drop your ballot off in one of those boxes if you need to. It will get counted. It might just take longer, which, of course, is another annoying part of how some of these states go about their business in, in tabulating votes. But this is just you know, a, a black eye for Arizona, a place that really did not need that today, and, and hopefully it gets sorted out. And as I reported, Tom, at the top of the show, speaking to a high-level campaign person, in Arizona for the Republicans, uh, they're feeling pretty good today. Cautious optimism was uh, the phrase that I got for a number of different reasons uh, that he elaborated on. And he asked me not to elaborate on the air, which is fine. I'll respect that. But cautiously optimistic in Arizona. And let's then transition from that little anecdote, that little, uh, you don't even really call it a data point. It's sort of a vibe check to some of the data that you guys are looking at at Real Clear Politics you did your final projections, a range in the House, and then projections in the Senate and governor races. What is the RCP projection? So in the House, the range is pretty wide. It's 14 to Republicans plus 14 to 48 on the on the upside. I mean, the average gain, which is sort of our if you want to if you want to peg us to to an actual number, we're at 31 seats in the House, which is a pretty good size showing for Republicans. Um, in the Senate, we have Republicans plus three. Um, we did uh, – we have Blake Masters winning in Arizona. The last two polls have him leading. It looks like the Libertarian candidate that dropped out did give him a little bit of a boost there at the end. Um, that would be the Republicans picking up Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona. The last couple polls had Maggie Hassan up a point or so. She's behind – she's ahead in our average, uh, so we have the Dems holding that, but certainly – if Republicans have a have a big night, uh, you could see them picking up that seat as well, and possibly uh, others. So we're plus three in the Senate, and then plus two in the gubernatorial races. The late shift in Oregon, last two polls that came out showed the the independent candidate there fading, and it looks like the Democrats who were kind of flirting with voting uh, for her went went home to Tina Kotek, and she's up by uh, about four points in the, in the last couple polls that just came out. So. Uh, we switched that back to a Dem hold, and, and we're looking at uh, two Republican pickups in the governor's races. Okay, interesting. Even with Massachusetts and Maryland almost certainly flipping back blue, you'd have a, a net gain of two? We do, it, yeah. Wow. Because so I'm have, thinking like Kansas, Wisconsin, where else? Uh, Nevada? Nevada. 
And then the one that we have, uh, which I think is a little bit, I don't think many people are calling this this way. Uh, we have Tudor Dixon winning in Michigan. Hmm. Uh, the last poll that came out there had her up one point. That's a Trafalgar poll. So, you know, Robert's been right in Michigan before, but um, the other the three other polls have it a tie race, a three-point race, and a two-point race. Overall, Whitmer's leading in our average by one point. But it seems like uh, Tudor Dixon sort of had some late momentum there. And so that's the one. That's the other pickup. I want to ask you about this, and maybe it's an unfair question because it's not your site. It's you know one of your competitors. But I know a lot of people often talk a lot between – you guys and 538 about the differences and whose polling average is better. And, and it's very, very in the weeds and nerdy. And it like appeals to a tiny, tiny fraction of people. Uh, so I won't get into those weeds. However, something weird, at least to my eye, something weird happened last night at 538, your, your competition, where they do this, you know, chance of winning scatter plot thing for some of these races and they had the chances of winning for John Fetterman in the Pennsylvania Senate race as above 50%, basically the entire race, uh, leading into yesterday. And then sort of all of a sudden, over the course of maybe an hour or something like that, it just shifted completely, and the scatter plot went red, and the likelihood of Oz winning was in, I think, the mid-50s. And a lot of people were like, what just happened? How did this happen literally the day before the election, right before? I, you're maybe not familiar with how their algorithms work or anything like that, but did, did you notice that? Do you have any theories on that? Well, it looks like, I mean, yes, I noticed it. Um, <clears throat> it looks like they added a couple of polls um, that came in late. One of them was an Oz plus five poll. So, I mean, they're using a bunch of polls that we don't use in our averages, uh, which I think is why they had that race, uh, Fetterman ahead in that race for, for as long as they did. And it looks like maybe that's why it ended up flipping at the end. So, I mean, I'll listen, the last couple polls that came out um, were Oz was leading. I mean, the last three polls, and you can say, you know, it was a Trafalgar poll, an Insider Advantage poll, Remington Research poll. Uh, those are Republican firms. Um, yep. Insider Advantage maybe not is not typically declared a Republican firm. But uh, and so, you know, Simon Rosenberg and Joy Reid and those folks would be like, well, those are all GOP propaganda polls. Just ignore them and just focus on the Marist poll, which has John Fetterman up six points. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I guess they're welcome to do that, but you know, the problem is Trafalgar and Insider Advantage are two have been two of the, the most accurate pollsters over the last three cycles. And so, um, look, so we, we have Oz up Un- unlike Maris, by the way, right? Unless I'm mistaken, Maris has had some real clunkers. Maris has had some real clunkers and they've had some big misses and uh you know, we just did this polling accountability project that uh you know we launched and marist out of was a 14th out of the 23 over the last three cycles so 2016 2018 2020 there's a presidential and senate and governor battlegrounds in those three cycles um insider advantage was second trafalgar was fifth and marist was 14th so that just gives you a sense of how accurate these pollsters have been over the last three cycles uh and selzer and company ah interesting she hasn't pulled a lot, um, but she did pull enough to be we, – we sort of separated these folks into multi-state pollsters and then pollsters who only do 
you know, a single state or region like right. St. Anselm. Yeah, St. Anselm only does New Hampshire. Uh, Stockton University only does New Jersey. Th- those those types of pollsters, because uh, we didn't feel it was fair to compare those, especially when those guys are doing just you know we're counting one poll a cycle or maybe two polls a cycle versus, mm-hmm. you know, someone like Trafalgar who's done, you know, twenty five or thirty races this year all across the board. Yeah. No. Okay. That that makes sense to me. Um, and I just wanted to get not a shot in at Maris, but just contextualize some of what you were just describing in terms of you know the, the final late movement, which does appear to be toward Oz uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, I've at least heard anecdotally and seen some of the data that the Democrats are nervous about some of the soft early voting in Philly and elsewhere. That would be good news for Oz. Um, but I can absolutely see a scenario where the Democrats win that race in spite of everything, in spite of Fetterman and, and everything else. It's it's totally possible. That still strikes me as a jump ball. It just seems like the, the conventional wisdom. It's just interesting, Tom, to see sometimes the conventional wisdom just shift all of a sudden. And that's kind of what I started to feel about the Pennsylvania Senate race in the last couple of days, uh, even from people who might have been saying, we think Fetterman's got it. Uh, maybe not as confident anymore, and more people maybe putting a couple eggs into the Oz basket at this point. Feel free to weigh in on that. Another one that I want to ask you about is Georgia. Uh, It's one of the early states that will close first on the East Coast. Uh, I think everyone is expecting a relatively commanding victory for Brian Kemp tonight, the incumbent governor, but all eyes on the Senate race, because if no one gets to 50 plus 1 percent, a runoff would then push us into early December to decide that race and potentially the control of the U.S. Senate. If, if it's 50-49 pending that race, it's also possible that that could happen. It does, however, appear that in some of the late polling, Tom, that Herschel Walker, the Republican, at least is poised in a position where he might be able to pull off an outright victory tonight at 50-plus-1%. I'm not sure if people are predicting that necessarily, but talking to people on the ground in Georgia, talking to Herschel himself on the air the other day, it seems like uh, they're not necessarily confident that he will do it, but they believe that he might or that he can yeah, and they have reason to be confident. I think, listen, there are five polls in our average that were taken on November 2nd or later, so literally just in the last six days. Uh, three of them have Herschel Walker at 40. First of all, he's leading in all of them, okay? Uh, one poll has it tied, but he's leading in all of them. Three of those polls have him at 49%, and one of them has it has him at 50%. So it's perfectly plausible that uh, Walker could win this race and he could win it with more than 50% of the vote. Now, obviously, Brian Kemp, uh, the latest polls there, he's up 8.3 in our average, uh, and he's at 52.8%. So, you know, it might be that Kemp, uh, if he has a strong enough showing, he's able to get enough, uh, enough Republican votes to pull Herschel Walker over the, over the goal line here uh, today and, and avoid a runoff. But, yep. um, you know, it's it's very possible it could go to a runoff. And to your point, that could be really interesting, particularly if, um, you know, if Republicans do take the Senate tonight, then this race will be of no real consequence for Democrats. I think I think they'd be depressed and maybe not have as strong of a showing a month from now. But if it is 
If it does end up mattering, uh, yeah, we're in here for we a go. repeat of 2020. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. That'd be wild. We'll see. A, a lot still coming in, but that's why we keep talking about turnout. This is not over. Every vote counts. If you're listening to my voice right now in Georgia and you have not voted yet, please go do that. Every vote counts, and that could be the difference between, you know, uh, the election being over in your state tonight or you being subjected to another month of political ads. How about that for motivation? Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics. Always enjoy your time, Tom, and we'll talk again after the election to mop it all up and see what happened. Sounds good, Guy. Thank you. Tom Bevan on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. It's The Guy Benson Show. All right, here we go. It's a tradition that we've started here at the program. It's Election Day. We are just waiting for outcomes altogether. So what we're going to do is throw open the phone lines at 833-456-1300. And here's what I want. I want you to call in, tell us where you're living, where you're voting, who you voted for, and why. So where are you? How'd you vote? Who'd you vote for? And why? We will bounce all across the fruited plain in this great country and talk to you. Where are you voting? For whom? Why? Call us, 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Did you already vote early? Did you vote this morning? Are you going this afternoon or evening? Just tell us. We want to hear from you. 833-456-1300. Toll-free connection here at the show. 833-456-1300. A big red wave of your phone calls. Coming up in the next hour, can't wait to hear from you. Where are you voting? For whom and why? On The Guy Benson Show, 833-456-1300. Your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. city in the world unconventional talk from a fresh unconventional conservative guy benson show it's a brand new hour here at the guy benson show thank you so much for listening on this election day i'm your host guy benson our website is guybensonshow.com the podcast becomes free to you on demand every day after the show is over Still to come later on today's program, Ben Dominich is going to join us with his predictions, what's going to happen tonight, House, Senate, etc. He'll give us his numbers. Martha McCallum, who is co-anchoring tonight's Fox News Channel coverage of the election, that special coverage, she will also be here later on next hour. And I will note once again that I will be part of that coverage tonight throughout the evening, on and off here or there on Fox News Channel. So looking forward to that. Fox News alert as we begin this hour. The Dow surging 333 points at the close, ending at 33,160. Seems like the markets might be kind of jazzed about the prospect of a Republican night and divided government. That's at least one of the factors perhaps at play on the markets here today. All right, so if you're just tuning in, we teased this at the end of last hour. Here's what we're going to do. Very rare on this show. I'm not sure we've ever done it before, actually. We are going to take your phone calls for the next hour. Because at some point, all the talking heads and all the predictions, you know, they become irrelevant. They become obsolete in a matter of hours. I want to hear from you. 
about what you did in terms of voting personally. Where are you? Who'd you vote for? How did you vote? Like, when was it? Early, today, later? What's the plan? And why did you vote the way that you voted? It's a very straightforward question. Your voting experience, your voting story and rationale this year, 2022, midterm elections, why? And our phone number here is 833-456-1300. toll-free connection here to the show. From what I understand, all of our phone lines are packed. So keep trying. You'll get through eventually, we hope, and we're going to try to get to as many of you as possible all across the country. I think it's interesting. I think it's a fun tradition. We've done this before, but it's not for the full hour. But I think we're all sort of like waiting for the outcomes to finally trickle out like real numbers. And in the meantime, let's just talk. All right? 833-456-1300. Oh, boy, the line's just lighting up. Let's begin with Brittany calling from Georgia, listening on our great affiliate, 106.3 Extra in Atlanta. Brittany, I'm glad you called. Welcome. Hey, guy. Um, Yes, I am in Kennesaw, Georgia. I am an Election Day voter, and I voted for Governor Kemp, who's the best governor in America, and Herschel Walker. I went to his rally last night. Um, He just really impressed me. I think he's going to do great in the Senate, and I just hope for no runoff can't handle any more of these awful commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask you, if you went to his rally, the Herschel rally last night, was it just him? Did he have any other like major names with him? What stood out to you? Um, Lindsey Graham was there. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson was there. I got to shake his hand and talk to him for a minute. I also met the infamous Clay Travis, who I also listened to <laughs> on 106.3. Um, everyone was um, very accessible Every, Herschel shook every hand. He took every picture. Um, he was well articulate. Um, he had so many great things to say. I was just so excited to meet him. I got to meet Governor Kemp um, last week, and I will say the access to the candidates for just a normal person like me has been amazing this year. I've, I've really enjoyed that. Last question quickly, Brittany. What was it like at the polling place? Was it packed? Did you have to wait in line? Was your vote suppressed? Was there any Jim Crow? There was no Jim Crow. <laughs> I was in and out in less than 10 minutes this morning around 7.30 a.m. So All right. my vote got in today, and I am very excited to see the results tonight. And it's a great honor to speak with you, Guy. I listen to you every day. Well, that is so kind of you. Thank you for listening down there in Georgia. Obviously, your state matters a lot. Hopefully, we won't have to talk about it until December 6th if there's no runoff, and that's entirely possible. We'll be watching. Brittany in Georgia, thank you. Let's see, 833-456-1300, 833-456-1300. Where are you? How did you vote? Who did you vote for? Why? Let's go out to Arizona, another crucial state. Kelly is up next on The Guy Benson Show. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Guy. How are you? I'm very well. All right. What's your story? I'm voting in Wickenburg, Arizona, voting for Carrie Lake and Blake Masters. Uh, I will be. I went this morning. The systems were down. I put in my ballot eight to ten times. It kept kicking it out. Whoa. Same with my husband. He went a little earlier than I did. He left his ballot there for them to take in to uh, Phoenix tonight. I gave them my ballot back and we'll be going back this afternoon. 
Wow. Okay. So I would assume, and forgive me on my Arizona geography, you are in Maricopa County? I am. Okay. We, and are, so, we are north and west of Phoenix. And you showed up bright and early. You went to vote, and it was spitting it back at you. What did the poll workers tell you at that point as you kept trying and it kept failing? Well, there was a, there were a number of us. There were probably 12 to 15 people standing waiting to be able to put their ballot in. Another girl walked up to the other machine. It kept doing the same thing while they were taking the other machine apart to clean it and put it back together. Um, but they, it just kept, kept – one, one person while I was there had one, – one ballot did go in and come and stay in. Interesting. Okay, and so your husband and my understanding is they're telling people if they want their ballots to count, they can put them in these sort of lock boxes under lock and key, representatives of both campaigns watching it, then they'll count it by hand. Your husband decided to do that, but you're waiting for them to what, like iron out all the kinks? You're going to go back and try again? Yes, sir. Okay, please do that. Don't be discouraged. Please do that for sure because whatever's happening out there, Every single vote needs to count. Your vote needs to count. Uh, so it sounds like you're pretty determined, though. I don't think I need to tell you to do it twice. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Kelly. Good luck out there. That See, that is wild. That is a wild thing. How embarrassing for that state. Who's in charge of the election? Oh, that's right. Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state in Arizona, on the ballot for governor. She barely shows up for work, was barely in the office ever. She was out wanting a promotion, this is her job. And look what's happening. I don't think Kelly that we just spoke to is going to be deterred. I hope very few people are. She's back at it, trying again. That is perseverance. We love it. 833-456-1300. You shouldn't have to persevere, by the way. You should just show up, boop, and you're done. That's how it should work. 833-456-1300. Where do you live? Who are you voting for? Why? 833-456-1300. Let's see. Florida. Tim, you are up next. Hi, Tim. Guy, love this show. Big fan. Oh, thank you. Calling from the free state of Florida. I voted early. I voted by mail. I voted for DeSantis and Rubio. The red tsunami is coming. I listen to Clay and Buck, too. I love all you guys. Great. Well, that, that means a lot. Thank you for listening every day. I do have to ask you, what part of the state of Florida do you live in? Like, what region? Central Florida, Brevard County, uh, Cocoa, uh, Cocoa, Melbourne area. So, you know, I opened the show, I don't know if you were listening last hour, talking about some of the indications that we're seeing in your state today that are just, like, mind-blowing how big the red wave might get in Florida. That's at least what some of the data is saying Based on what you're seeing, your friends, your family, or whatever, like, what has your experience been this cycle? What are you hearing? In this county here, it's a red wave for sure. There, there is no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I can't speak for South Florida or, or anywhere else, but in in the, in the central part of the state on the coast, it's going to be all Republican. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Tim, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and. I suspect that Florida is going to be an early call tonight in a way that is going to blow some minds. Tim, appreciate it. 833-456-1300, our toll-free telephone number here at the Guy Benson Show. And it's a tradition, taking your calls, very simple. What's your deal on voting? Who'd you vote for? Why? Where are you? I'm just curious. 
And as we all wait for the data to come in, let's have this conversation. I think it's really sort of fun and it's exciting. This is democracy at work. It's not a bunch of statistics. Of course, they all get tabulated into these big numbers, but each person has their own story. And I want to hear some of your stories. 833-456-1300. Let's go to Missouri. Jackie up next. Hello, Jackie. Hi. Hi there. I'm calling from Springfield, Missouri, which is in the southwest part of the state. I voted about an hour ago. I work at home. I have the luxury to just kind of cut out. It was very easy, didn't wait, in and out, very fast. Um, For the first time ever, and I'm almost 60, I voted straight Republican down the line. I will occasionally vote for an independent or a libertarian or sometimes if I don't like either can't, you know, I won't vote for anybody if I don't like them. But I couldn't take a chance this year. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was the difference? Like you said, you've you've been voting, it sounds like, for decades in elections. You're someone who cares. You, you find, you know, you find out about these candidates. You make decisions for the first time ever. You just went boom, 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 down the line, straight ticket, Republican. Why? Straight R. Because I can't afford to. I don't think we have any split vote potentials in Missouri because I listen to you every day. And I think if there was one, you would tell me. But I didn't want to take a chance. And yeah, it is no, I look, very I much hear <laughs> not happy. Not, and I almost I really didn't want to vote for Eric Schmidt because I'd like to keep him as our attorney general. But I did anyway. Yeah, and they need him in the U.S. Senate. So uh, you did the right thing there. And I think your overall analysis of your state, which was red to begin with, I think it'll be even redder. And you were part of what could be a big red wave, Jackie, out there in Missouri. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Listening through Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. That's our partner out there. Appreciate it, Jackie. Good call. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Ooh, this is interesting. Let's go to Green Bay, Wisconsin. A couple of big races in Wisconsin, the Badger State. Laura, glad you called. Hello. Hello, Guy. Love your show. Thank you. I voted, uh, actually early voted last week um, as we were traveling down to Illinois, and we're just currently driving back from Illinois to Green Bay. So I voted for uh, Michael. Tim Michaels and Johnson, Ron Johnson. Um, I just feel we need to have some some sense of business professionals and, and people that know really how to run a country and run a state as a as a business. And those are both business guys, Johnson and Michaels. Yeah. And it seems like, and you can tell me, Laura, what you're seeing on the ground there, because you might recall a, a few weeks ago I was in Wisconsin giving a talk, spoke to a lot of people in your state, and they felt like, Ron Johnson was probably going to be okay, was probably going to win by a couple of points, but the governor's race was razor thin, could go either direction. And the polling kind of points in that same direction. It seems like Governor Evers might be vulnerable. He might go down tonight, but it's, you know, teetering right there. What do you think? Um, I agree. I think it's going to be a very close race. Um, I just hope that uh, that Michaels is able to come out on top of that. Um, I just think Wisconsin needs a little bit of a change, um, and hopefully that'll happen today. All right. Well, Laura in Wisconsin, really appreciate you being out there. Good call. 833-456-1300. The lines are still going nuts. So we're going to get to even more of your phone calls. Nothing but your calls this whole hour. 
833-456-1300. Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about your practice of democracy today, whether it was an early vote, whether it was an in-person vote today. What's your story? Where are you living? Who did you vote for? Why did you vote for them? Call us. Tell us if you're comfortable. All across the country, swing state, safe state, whatever, we want to hear from you. 833-456-1300. Many more of your phone calls straight ahead on The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. I'm Guy Benson. We're back. If you're listening on the live broadcast, I believe that is Anchors Away, the official song of the United States Navy. We're talking about waves today, so maybe that's appropriate. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. That's our phone number here. Taking your calls for the entire hour. On Election Day, we've got nothing better to do. All the pundits are pundited out, trust me. We want to hear from you. What did you do today? Or in the days leading up to this election? With your vote. Where do you live Who'd you cast your ballots for? Why? We want to know. 833-456-1300. Jammed lines. Let's get back to the calls. Eric is in Oregon listening on the Fox News app. Hello, Eric. Hello. Hello from beautiful uh, Oregon coast. Um, I voted for uh, Christine Drazen for governor. Okay. And what do you think of that race? Because she was ahead by a point or two in a lot of polls, but it seems like the Democrat might be pulling ahead. That is such a blue state. It seems like some of the voters out there are gluttons for punishment. There's also some really important House races as well, if I'm not mistaken, out there in Oregon. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. So unfortunately, Portland really dictates what the rest of the state does. Um, What you see in Portland is not what the rest of the state actually looks like. Um, However, um, I was really happy to see uh, Betsy Johnson get in the race because um, she was siphoning off some votes and neutralizing uh, Portland and actually allowing the rest of the people in the state to have a say. So I was a little disappointed to hear that some of those people are, are falling back to Kotech because Kotech as governor just frightens me. Her and Governor Brown has just decimated the state. And the transient problem that we have, um, little communities like I live in on the coast um, and in central Oregon, small communities, they, they can't do anything about uh, the issue. The state ties their hands. I have a good friend who's a um, uh, state police officer, and he says they basically can't do anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like such a basket case in that city. And obviously a lot of people around that state have had enough. They're completely sick of it. And the Republican running statewide there has done a very good job. She's been a smart, capable candidate. It's such a blue place. We'll see. But if enough of people exactly like you in those communities all band together and vote for her, there's a chance that you can actually prevail this time. We shall see. Eric, thank you for the phone call. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Your connection here to the Guy Benson Show. Let's go back to the Midwest now. Ohio. Amy, you're up there how are you very well thanks for calling good yes i just wanted to let you know i you know i come from flag city usa um i actually voted early last week because i'm typically busy all day long on tuesdays and i did straight republican um hopefully jd vance will do well 
Yeah, so you've got the governor there, DeWine, who it looks like he's going to win very easily. And then for a long time, J.D. Vance was like, you know, up two, maybe three points. Seems like in the last couple of days it's really gotten more comfortable. Some of the polls have him up seven, eight, nine, even ten points. You're one of those voters. Any hesitation or were you just eager to get out there? Oh, absolutely no hesitation. And I also feel like in the last couple of days I've seen that Ryan has been trying to um, run as a sort of – very sort of more Republican than yeah. Democratic. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, no, I'm just moderate, almost like a Republican. But as you know very well, Amy, that is not his record in Congress, and that's his problem for Tim Ryan. J.D. Vance, I think, will be the next senator from Ohio. We will know tonight. Amy, thanks for the call. More of your calls coming up, 833-456-1300. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Thank you for listening. Podcast free every day. And our toll-free phone number here is 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. The question on the table for this whole hour is where do you live? Where did you vote? Who did you vote for and why? Pretty simple. It's election day. Let's celebrate this election day together. And I don't know about you. I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying this. And I can't wait to take more of your calls. And the lines, I understand, are just packed. Keep trying. 833-456-1300. Let's go to Justin in Wisconsin, our second Wisconsin caller. Hey, Justin. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, this is my first day actually listening to your show, and I enjoy it. Oh, well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. Hopefully you'll be back. I will. And uh, as for who I voted for, um, I voted uh, also for Tim Michaels, as well as Senator Ron Johnson. Um, I voted for them because, uh, well, Governor Johnson, um, excuse me, Senator Johnson has been uh, very good about uh, holding hearings about uh, vaccine injuries, and I think that's important. And um, also in terms of uh, Governor Evers, he has allowed the Kenosha riots to happen, um, which ultimately led to the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse situation. So um, I'm just very passionate about getting crime down and under control, and I think those two candidates are the best for it. What part of the state do you live in, Justin? Uh, I live in Middleton, which is in Dane County, which is the most liberal part of the— That's like Madison, right? Madison area. Yes, yes. So what are you seeing there? I mean, that's where the Dems are going to be counting on huge, huge stats, right, for Evers and for Barnes. Uh, that's typically where they get their base, also Milwaukee. When you yeah, talk to Milwaukee. neighbors, you know, does it feel different than previous years? What are you, what are you hearing? No, uh, in the area I live in, it's, it's, it's about the same. Uh, you're not going to see much change in, in, in the, the Dane, Carey, Dane County area. It's, you know, <laughs> they're tried and true Democrats. Um, recently, Matt Walsh came, and they uh, – vandalize the campus it's just it's just uh liberal politics as usual well fortunately your vote counts just as much in that county as anywhere else and these are statewide races really important glad you're out there welcome to the show glad you're finally listening and uh we look forward to hopefully having you as a listener for a long time thank you very much justin 833-456-1300 833-456-1300 queens new york city paul up next on the guy benson show Guy, I proudly voted for Lee Zeldin for governor and for attorney general. People don't want to have Letitia James there. Michael Henry. Nobody seems to talk about Michael Henry, but 
uh, you got to vote a straight Republican ticket this year. Uh, it's just impossible to vote for people like Chuck Schumer. And, you know, it's just we, we had propositions here in New York. They wanted us to vote for a $4 billion, $200 million proposition for green energy. Voted no to that one. They wanted us to vote for uh, Equity and Inclusion Council. I voted no to that one. Um, you know, we do what we can here in Queens, basically. <laughs> well, did you ever imagine, Paul, and who knows how it's going to go tonight? I still think that Zeldin is an underdog, an underdog with a shot, but still the underdog. Did you ever imagine coming into this cycle that you would be casting a vote in Queens and New York City with a real chance, at least, of helping defeat the Democratic governor? That, that's pretty crazy. The answer is no. I just I couldn't imagine that. But things are very bad here. And uh, the, the, you, didn't, you didn't ask about the polling place. It was very energized. I hadn't seen so many people. I did have to stand in line this time. And I got a sense that people are voting with uh, motivation. Of course, I didn't ask anybody, but uh, I, I just get a sense that there's urgency here because things are bad. Things are bad, and nobody has any faith in Hochul. I mean, nobody in their right mind anyway. So uh, to answer your question, uh, this could be a turning point for, for New York. I certainly hope so. There's a real chance out there, and the chance gets better and better with every person who agrees with you going out and voting right now in New York all across that state. Paul, Queens, thank you very much. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Oh, we haven't hit Texas yet. Let's get down to Texas. Houston and Brandy. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going? Um, Very well. I voted red all the way down, um, hoping Abbott gets a third term. I do not want Beto in because, to me, the borders and the crime – I live here in Houston. It's it's insane with what's going on with the crossings and all that, and it something needs to be done. So that's why I voted red. Can I, can I ask you – can I ask yeah. you, have you always been a Republican voter? Have you been voting for a long time? Was this sort of different for you this year, or was it just like an added sense of urgency because of what you're seeing at the border and elsewhere? To be honest, and a lot of my friends say the same thing, I'm a Gen Xer. When I was younger, I was more liberal and more kind of wild and crazy. But as I got older, now I'm in my late 40s, I've changed to be more conservative, me more a Republican to things, and I see things that are more important to me than what it was when I was younger. Mm -hmm. When you talk to your friends and you know folks in your social circle, are people sort of more openly talking about voting Republican? I just don't know who you sort of run with, who you hang out with, but have you noticed any differences this year, what people are talking about? Yes, yes. Um, a majority of people that were Democrat a few years ago are now voting Republican just because of the mess that's been going on with the administration that we have now. And people yeah. are starting to wake up. Yeah. Well, look, I don't really think that that race down there is going to be very close. I know that they tried to say, oh, you know, Beto's got a shot. They gave him, you know, a billion dollars or whatever they gave him. It's crazy. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up losing pretty handily. I know Carl Rove predicted a 10-point loss for him. We shall see a red wave. It could get bigger. Governor Abbott, I think, overall has done a really nice job in Texas as well. We've had him on this program multiple times. Brandy in Houston, really glad you're listening. Appreciate it very much. Good call. 833-456-1300. Resetting here, just so you're clear, it's a simple ask. Pick up the phone, call us, tell us who you are, where you're voting from, who you voted for, and why. 
on this election day. It seems appropriate. It seems fitting. And it's fun. 833-456-1300. Let's go back to the great state of Georgia. And Dave, you're up on the Guy Benson Show. Hello, Dave. Guy, I love your show. I love Christine Man more, but um, <laughs> I voted I voted for Kemp and Walker. And I actually have some Democrat friends that have done the same. Including Herschel. Because I know there's some people going over to Kemp because he's done a good job. I think Stacey Abrams is just awful. But it seems like Herschel Walker is the one that's like, eh, some people might be more hesitant to pull the lever for him. That's not what you're seeing, at least with your group? With my group, it's not. Uh, They're just done with Warnock. They're just done with him. Yeah. I mean, look, he's been voting for all this stuff, right? If you're if you're not happy with what's happening in the country, you're not happy with the president. The president and Chuck Schumer have no more loyal ally. Well, there's a couple in contention. Cortez Masto, Kelly, Hassan, a few others. But Raphael Warnock is right there every step of the way on every major vote. So I think a lot of people are, to use your your term, over it. Dave, very quickly, where in Georgia are you? I'm in Swanee, Georgia, northeast of Atlanta. All right. Was it easy to vote quick, or did you have a bunch of suppression? There, it was. I I voted early. It took about ten minutes. There you go. Awesome. Dave, thank you for listening. Thanks for voting. Eight three three four five six thirteen hundred. Eight three three four five six one three zero zero. Here are the Guy Benson Show. A Guy Benson Show, rather toll free number. As the calls keep coming in. Chris is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's a key area of a key state. Chris, welcome. How are you? Yeah, I voted Republican straight down the line. Um, my experience was good. I was surprised they even um, ID'd me at the polls this year. And I haven't, oh, good. Yeah, I haven't been ID'd at the polls for years. <laughs> it, was, now- it, it felt really good, actually. Are you in Philadelphia proper, or are you in the Burbs? Philadelphia proper. proper Interesting. Yeah. Now, cause, let me ask you about this, because one of the things that I've been hearing from my PA people is what the Democrats are watching very carefully and maybe nervously is, number one, are the Democrats getting the turnout that they need in Philly? And number two, of the people who are turning out, are they this, sort of this landslide Democratic electorate and we've seen little, you know, little examples in the last couple of years where just baby steps at a time, it's moving a little bit more Republican, if you can believe it. Does that sound right to you? Do you think the Democrats should be concerned? I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I am a registered Democrat, but I've been voting Republican for, uh, I guess, two terms, two presidential terms, three maybe back. Interesting. And so it was you were all on board, Dr. Oz and the whole crew? Oh, I'm on board. Oz, Mastriano, the whole crew. Chris in Philadelphia in one of the most important states in the country calling in here on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening. 833-456-1300 is our number. 833-456-1300. Let's go way up north. Minnesota Bob is here. Bob, there's actually sort of an under-the-radar governor's race where if it really gets to be a big red wave tonight, people might be a little surprised in your state. Thanks for calling. What did you do? What are you seeing up there? 
I voted early today. I voted a uh, straight Republican ticket. Uh, everybody I know is voting Republican. We just had it. Inflation, poor schools, crime, uh, an AG that wants cashless bail, lets the crooks out of jail. No, thank you. That's Keith straight Ellison, Republican. right? Yes. Yeah, I've seen some polls that Keith Ellison really absolutely uh, could lose, right? I think the governor's race would be an upset. That AG race is really close, and a lot of it comes back to, I mean, you guys in Minnesota bore a lot of the brunt of that rioting and violence and insanity a couple summers ago. And I think, you know, when you see Keith Ellison running the show like that, a lot of people deeply dissatisfied, I would imagine. Well, absolutely. I mean, Walls had a chance to get the National Guard and everything else in here to take care of it, and, and they wouldn't do it. It's just time for a whole new administration. Thank you. All right. Bob, really appreciate the call. Thank you. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Where do you live? Who'd you vote for? Why? On this election day across the country. Let's go to Francis uh, calling in Massachusetts, New England. Hey, Francis. Hello. I voted for Jeff Deal, a Trump-endorsed governor, to, um, to win over uh, Maura Healy. Uh, Charlie Baker decided not to rerun. Right. And, um, so, and I also voted for Bob May to unseat Seth Moulton in my district. And he has a great chance. There's not much polling here in Mass. But I got to tell you, the lawn signs for Bob May to unseat Seth Moulton outnumber Seth about 25 to 1, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And I think Jeff Deal has an awesome chance. I hardly ever hear him mentioned anywhere. But, no. you know, he's Trump endorsed and American first are all the way. And I confess, I have been a lifelong Democrat voter, partly mainly out of ignorance. But uh, after the lockdowns, I vowed I would never, ever vote for a single Democrat ever, ever, ever again. And I am American first all the way. Oh, so it was it was COVID and the lockdowns that really turned you. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I have a small business. I, uh, you know, do massage. March 15, 2020, I was so booked, so busy. The next day, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, the I government can only stepped imagine. on my throat, no ifs, ands, or buts, and that was the craziest thing I ever witnessed in my 55 years on Earth. All my rights were taken away in a heartbeat along with everyone else, and I will not stand for anything like that ever well, again. I mean, well, Francis, uh, thanks for being out there. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know about Massachusetts this year. You never know. But in New England, there's some interesting stuff happening in New Hampshire, in Maine, in Connecticut, and Rhode Island. So all the neighbors are maybe getting in on the action. Why not Massachusetts? We'll see. 833-456-1300. California, back to the left coast. Hilda is up on the Guy Benson Show. Welcome. Thank you, Guy. I love your show. And uh, as I was telling your uh, screener earlier, I voted straight Republican because I'm not better off than two years ago. So I want to get Republicans back. I remember when I first came to the country as an immigrant 30-some years ago, uh, you know, it was Republican. It was the best, best time of my life. And, I, you know, right now that ever since um, – this president Biden is in power. I mean, homelessness, you know, the 
the cost of food, gas, even though I'm driving a Tesla, but yeah. <laughs> my husband doesn't. So it's just we just we just want to get everything back to normal uh, because we came to this country, land of opportunities, where we would have a better life than where I came from. So. Where, where did you come from? I came from Iran. I'm an oh, Armenian wow. from Iran. Well, I mean, that's a whole other conversation you and I could have, I, I can imagine. Uh, but that is a great phone call. I think that you're speaking for a lot of people, including a heck of a lot of people in the state of California, which is so insane and broken in so many ways. There's a lot of people who are fed up out there. The L.A. mayor race could be very interesting, for example. Hilda, really appreciate the call. Thank you so very much for listening. 833-456-1300. Where do you live? Who would you vote for today or early and why? We'll take more of your calls right after this very short break on The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Election Day here on The Guy Benson Show, where our phone number is 833-456-1300. Let's try to do a lightning round and get as many of these calls in as we possibly can before the top of the hour, starting with Betty in New Hampshire. Betty, you're up. I voted Republican. Because they don't feel our country will survive another two years in the direction it's going. A couple big races up there. Governor, Senate got really close. We'll see what happens, Betty. Thanks for the call. Paula is in Florida. Hi, Paula. Hi. I voted for DeSantis. I went Republican all the way because of our rights that we need to get rid of some of this climate change that is totally unreal and actually harmful to everybody. Where in Florida are you, Paula? I'm in Melbourne. Okay. Well, I mean, the numbers, I just keep looking at these numbers during commercial breaks. It's just insane down in Florida. What's going to happen? <laughs> these margins, man. Keep voting down there, Florida. It's it's wild. 833-456-1300. Joyce calling from Washington State Pacific Northwest. Hello, Joyce. Hi. How are you? Great. I voted for Smiley. Actually, I voted strictly Republican. You know, it's interesting, and, and thanks for the call, Joyce. Uh, Tiffany Smiley, I, that would be such an upset out there, but I saw the Patty Murray campaign put out a memo being like, oh, this might not be decided on election night. It might take days to find out. Uh, they are definitely sweating at the very least out there. 833-456-1300. Kim in New York. Hi, Kim. Hey, guy. What's happening? Not much. Who'd you vote for? I voted for Lee Zeldin. I'm not insane. <laughs> Where in New York are you? Um, right here in the great borough, Queens. All right. I mean, look, if Lee Zeldin, he told us, he told us on this show, if he can get into the 30s percentage-wise in New York City, he's got a real shot at winning. And we've heard a couple people from Queens today, Zeldin voters calling into the show, Perk, in Maryland. I wanted to give you the last word, but we are up on a break. Thank you for calling in. Wow. What an hour of phone calls. Thanks for listening, everyone. Another hour coming up. Ben Dominich, Martha McCallum, still straight ahead. Guy Benson Show. It's five o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. 
happy hour here on this election day. Thank you very much for tuning in. Less than an hour to go until the Fox News special coverage begins on TV for this election night and the 2022 midterms. Thank you very much for tuning in. Our website here at the radio show is GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is always free of charge on demand. That's every day. Follow us on social media at Guy Benson Show, Twitter and Instagram. My personal handles are at Guy P. Benson on both of those platforms. And this hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, which is just terrific. Maybe you will open an ice-cold long drink later tonight to either celebrate what's happening in the elections or to cope. It's up to you. TheLongDrink.com is their website. You can see where they're sold in your neck of the woods as they really expand by popular demand. You can also order online. TheLongDrink.com. Always drink responsibly. 21-plus only. Thank you. With us now is Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor, editor-at-large for the Spectator World, host of the Ben Dominich podcast, at foxnewspodcasts.com. Ben, it's great to talk to you. Great to be with you, Guy, as always, and uh, it's good to talk to you on what is uh, sure to be, I think, an auspicious election day. I mean, it is definitely feeling that way in a number of different aspects. Let's talk about predictions. I gave my predictions here on the program yesterday. I reiterated them sort of in a condensed version on TV this morning on America's Newsroom and on Varney, So I'm out there on the record of what I think is likely to happen. I'm sort of maybe hedging my bets a little bit, I would say. But I've also made clear that if I had to lean toward pessimism or optimism and, you know, decreasing my expectations for Republicans versus increasing them, I'm definitely leaning in the more optimistic direction. I know you definitely are. You were talking a few weeks ago about some numbers that seemed a little crazy to me. Uh, we'll see soon enough if you're right or wrong, but let's just walk through what you think is going to happen tonight. Well, well look, first off, I, I want to say uh, I think I think you know that I am not normally as bullish as I am uh, this time right. around. Typically, I'm I'm more in the in the bet hedging space and, and kind of advising bullish people uh, that they're that they're perhaps exaggerating their chances. This time around. I think uh, for a couple of different reasons, uh, the fact that we're coming out of redistricting, the fact that we're coming out of a period where I think Democrats have been particularly tone deaf on the issues that matter, uh, and the fact that we have, I think, one of the best recruited classes uh, potentially competitive within these House races uh, that we've seen in the modern Republican era, all of these things uh, really make me feel like we're going to see uh, just an absolute red wave in the House and one that will certainly uh, eliminate any kind of question of Republicans taking the chamber very early in the night. And I think that one of the uh, key signs that we can see is actually uh, in Virginia, guy, uh, which is that, you know, you have three different races there, uh, Virginia 2, Virginia 7, and Virginia 10. And Virginia, too, is basically in the bag for Republicans. There's just really it's it's hard to see uh, a situation where that uh, Luria Kiggins uh, race uh, goes anywhere other than the R. Um, in seven, you have uh, Spanberger versus Vega. Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, that's one where Democrats have been kind of throwing things at it in the in the waning days of this campaign uh, to try to keep it. I think that's going to go as well. 
But the real sign of whether this is a wave or a tsunami is going to be in Virginia 10, where actually Kevin McCarthy was out there this morning campaigning for Hung Kao uh, against the incumbent Wexton. Uh, and if that race goes the Republicans' way, then I think it's a sign that this is not just a wave. It is a tsunami. It is a hurricane. It's something that's going to sweep out so many different key Democrat figures in the House uh, who you know, perhaps did not expect to even have competitive races and yet end up losing. Virginia 10 is tough. I mean, the way that that's been redistricted, it would be a real shocker, I think, for Wexton to lose. But she might. I mean, the Spanberger race was looking fairly challenging, and I'm not ready to call any of the races that you just mentioned. Uh, I know you're probably seeing some of the data that I'm seeing, but I'm just, you know, let's wait and see. I will say that one of our mutual friends was just at a rally last night for Vega, who's the opponent of Spanberger in Virginia 7, and Governor Yunkin was there. Yunkin won that district last year. It was a big, energetic crowd. You just kind of get a feeling, at least in this state, that things are looking more like 2021 than they are like 2020 or 2018, certainly, in Virginia. And that could be an early indicator, right? Absolutely. And, I, I you know, I think that there's, there's going to be some tough situations, of course, as well for Republicans in, in certain parts of the country. Um, and I think that certainly you could see them, you know, underperform perhaps in one or two of these key Senate contests just given the outside nature of the candidates that they selected and perhaps you know some of their own uh, defects or, or challenges when it comes to the gubernatorial nominee I certainly think that could end up being you know the case in Pennsylvania I'm very bullish on uh, dr. Oz's chances there I think that he'll ultimately win but the fact that he has essentially a gubernatorial ally in Doug Mastriano who hasn't even really bothered to run a general election campaign in a traditional sense uh, you know it could be a drag the flip side of that, of course, is that a lot of people, myself included, think that Brian Kemp's uh, just definitive defeat of, of uh, Stacey Abrams is going to be something that certainly helps Herschel Walker. And the question is really whether it is able to haul him over that 50 uh, percentage mark, uh, which would allow him to avoid a runoff. But I think that, you know, the other thing that's really a question on the minds of a lot of people is, you know, what happens in some of these very blue states? that have had negative experiences when it comes to uh, the democratic policies towards crime and towards public safety. You know, and you think of particularly, uh, obviously, the, the thing that's been playing out on Fox over the past several weeks, which is this combative uh, back and forth between Governor Hochul and Lee Zeldin in New York. I am not of the opinion that Lee uh, will ultimately be able to win just because New York is so blue. But simply making it a contest, keeping it close, is something that would be very impressive just given the nature of the bias in the state. Uh, and I think is a, is a sign of how tone deaf uh, Hochul and other Democrats have been when it comes to uh, crime and, and a lot of other things. Well, and I would also I would add, Ben, that I, I don't I don't disagree with what you just said. There is also a plausible scenario in which things are really breaking bad for the Democrats and Zeldin could win. I'm not saying it is likely, but it is possible in a way that I think almost no one expected to be the case even a few months ago. 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it took both sides of that. It took Zeldin being a tough campaigner, but it also took Hochul being so tone deaf. Yeah. When, you, when you have a question about crime and you're basically saying you're not seeing that thing you see every day, then that's not a good response from a politician. It's also, I think, one of the reasons why, the underrated reasons why, we see Washington and Oregon being competitive in the Senate and the gubernatorial, uh, respectively, uh, just because of the frustrations over the way that uh, – that blue cities within blue states have handled uh, the really chaotic scene and, and criminal activity uh, that we've seen. And so a lot of the time, you, you don't even have the senator necessarily to blame in that case. It's not like Patty Murray was making those decisions. But there's there's a ramification, there's a result from having these blue cities and it, within blue states get away with whatever they want to when it comes to allowing chaos, allowing criminal activity. And I think you're going to see that as a general trend across the country. To me, the biggest uh, sort of question mark, uh, if there was one race that I was really focused on that's the tonight, is the Michigan governor's race between Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon. Tudor Dixon is obviously a, a newcomer to politics, you know, not particularly active, essentially a, a media commentator. That kind of thing, but she comes from a steel family. She comes from a, you know a background that uh, is endearing within the state. And Whitmer is someone who obviously became kind of the face of of overarching COVID lockdown and uh, you know preventing people from buying seeds and all these other craziness. And we saw the tone deaf way that she handled questions about uh, how long she had shut down schools within the debate and the, and the likes of that. At the same time, there is an abortion referendum on the ballot there, which is uh, only true a handful of states this cycle, and a lot of Democrats are placing their hopes on that to be able to prevent any kind of Dixon surge, a little of it we've seen in, in some of these polls in the, in the late stages. But honestly, you know, I just think that it's kind of a, an open question here about the future of the Democratic Party and the, the lessons they take away from the lockdown policies that they embrace. I'm sure you saw and, and uh, read the New York Post column from Carol Markowitz, our friend, uh, a couple of days ago about holding those responsible for the way that they treated children during the lockdowns. And I'm very hopeful that in a, a cycle like this, there's a chance to actually teach Democrats the lesson do not do this again. Do not embrace Randy Weingarten again. Do not close out you know, your approach by just catering to everything the teachers' unions want and forgetting your responsibility to educate children. Yeah, I keep calling this an accountability election, Ben, and COVID and especially schools right near the very top of that list, among other items, of course. I think there's a lot of accountability that needs to be meted out, and it will only happen if some of the power changes hands in Washington, D.C., and in state capitals across the country. This is the first big opportunity for voters to do that post-pandemic and certainly since Joe Biden took office. And I think that's really the, the crux of what is at stake here tonight. Before I get some final predictions from you, I just want to ask, what do you make of the Democrats and their closing argument not on the economy, not on crime, not on immigration, not on schools and education, not even on abortion anymore, but on democracy being at stake. And perhaps this is the last election we'll ever see in America or whatever they're out there saying. That is where they coalesce at the very, very end of this thing. That seems like a very strange choice to me. It does seem like a strange choice, but I also think that part of this guy is, is in, an indication of the way that things have kind of flipped. You know, in the past, we used to talk about how the media would uh, defend the Democrats and that they were biased toward the Democrats, that they would, you know, uh, you know, make the best case for their policies and things like that. I view the democracy 
conversation as being mostly media driven. And actually, the Democrats embraced it almost in part because it was pushed upon them by their allies in the media. Um, and then I think that when, you know, the, the thesis has been that, you know, did they see something in the polling? I think that there is some truth to that, that they probably saw something early on that said one way to hold on to these suburban women voters who had shifted in our direction away from Donald Trump in the 2020 election was to do something like this. But I also think that, you know, between the, the twin approaches of that and abortion, they're, uh, they're right for a rude awakening because I think suburban women are actually going to shift in a major Republican direction because of crime, the economy, and frustrations about education. And I think that that closing message about democracy being at stake is going to seem pretty ridiculous when we have just massive turnout and we have you know the, the level of turnout and the level of diverse turnout for Republican candidates across the country, uh, including you know a class of very conservative Latino, Latino women candidates who are uh, likely to be uh, elected to, to the House and I think will become household names in the near future. That's yeah, going to be, I think, a pretty ludicrous approach to continue to take. And on some of these other issues as well, we saw a report out this week from a Democratic group basically lamenting the fact that even though, in their estimation, the Republicans are radical and extreme on a lot of things, voters perceive the Democrats to be extremists as well. And I think they perceive that because it's true, which has neutralized maybe some of the other attacks that they've attempted falling short, because it's not like choose between what they want to do over on the right wing and us here standing in the center. The Democrats are way out there on a limb on the left, and a lot of people want no part of that either. So any advantage that they might have had was eroded by their own radicalism. I think that's an interesting point coming from some Democrats and these precriminations that we've seen in the last couple of days. All right, Ben, so when brass tacks are down, push comes to shove, what do you expect to see after the dust settles in terms of seats controlled by the Republicans in the House and Senate? Best guess. Well, Senate, Senate first, I'm, I'm at 53. Our friend Henry Olson at the Washington Post is at 54. So if I had to lean in a direction, he has New Hampshire and I don't. Uh, but I could see that going Republicans' way. And then in the House, I, I am out there on a limb. I am saying they are going to make 250, Ooh. which would be an incredible number. Um, probably likelier to make 244. Five ish, I think, but I'm out there with 250. I'm taking the over, guy. Wow. I'm taking it hard, uh, and and I also think, and I also think uh, that uh, at the end of the day, I do think that Tudor Dixon's going to be able to pull it out in Michigan. I think that that wow. incredible thing will be a wave. So, look, I'm, I'm bullish. I'm not always bullish, uh, and and I I really do think that this is uh, the way things are trending, and it's going to be a huge wake up call for the Democrats that they're going to promptly ignore <laughs> every way possible in terms of trying to adjust back toward the Senate. Yeah, we don't really learn lessons in this country anymore. Anyone. It's no. sort of like, all right, well, that didn't really happen or it was uh, that was fake. So let's move to the next thing. But the reality will come home tonight, whether I'm right, whether you're right, somewhere in between or we're both wrong. We don't have to guess or wait that much longer. That's the benefit of Election Day. We are so close to being there. Some very bold final predictions from Ben Dominich, my guest, Fox News contributor. You can check out his podcast, the Ben Dominich Podcast, at foxnewspodcast.com. Ben, enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon. Great to be with you as always, Guy. And the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour resumes after this short break. Guy Benson will be right back.
Our happy hour continues here on the Guy Benson Show. I was on Gutfeld last night, a lot of fun on Fox News Channel. If you watched, I'll just say, for the record, the sweater was red. Okay, folks, the sweater was red. <laughs> Although the little effect, the Photoshop or whatever that they did at the very end, very impressive. If you missed the episode, maybe go back and watch it if you set your DVR. I haven't seen the rating from last night yet. I'm sure it was a big one. They've been pulling monster ratings over there recently, crushing the competition, especially beating Jimmy Kimmel, who we were making fun of a little bit last night on the show. Kimmel, meanwhile, on his comedy show, brought his wife out on stage last night to give an abortion lecture to voters because that's hilarious. You wonder why Gutfeld is succeeding as much as it is. Very fun to be a small part of it. Meanwhile, we've seen this from President Biden. It's very strange where he actually attends rallies, because he's not going to that many of them. Most of the Democrats don't want to be seen with him. But occasionally he goes to these rallies, and he's got this joke that he uses a lot, and I don't get it. It's really kind of weird. It doesn't make sense. It's like Kamala Harris and her fixation that she thinks is humorous on Venn diagrams and yellow school buses. Well, the joke that President Biden uses over and over again is that he looks at people who might be up in the rafters or sort of higher up in the venue, and he urges them to not jump, whatever that means. Like, they're at a Biden rally, they want to fling themselves <laughs> to the floor. Just play 23, 24, and 25 back to back to back. Hey, man, don't jump. You look crazy enough to jump. Don't jump. Don't jump. And I didn't even see all of it. I didn't see the bleachers up there. Hey, everybody. Don't jump. Don't jump. Don't jump. Don't jump. Don't jump. He actually sounds concerned. Like there's concern in his voice. Don't jump. I guess maybe he's seen some of the internal polling and he worries that Democrats at his rallies might actually want to jump. Don't do it. Another head scratcher from an interesting character who happens to be president of the United States. The Guy Benson Show continues after this. Martha McCallum joins us previewing election night coverage on FNC. You don't want to miss that conversation. Straight ahead. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It's the happy hour here on the Guy Benson Show on Election Day. Glad to have you here. We are just about 25 minutes away from our special coverage on Fox News Channel, Democracy 2022. That starts right at the top of the hour at 6 p.m. Eastern, co-anchored by our next guest, Martha McCallum, executive editor and anchor of The Story, every day at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. Fox News Politics co-anchor. She'll be very busy tonight, probably late into the evening. You can check out her book, Unknown Valor. Also check out her podcast, The Untold Story, with Martha McCallum. Martha, always good to have you here. Hi, guys. Great to be with you on Election Day. Happy Election Abs- Day. A happy Election Day to you. I am so excited for 7 p.m. Eastern time when we actually get results that we can talk about because we've been talking about polls and vibes and fundamentals and anecdotes and all that stuff for months, and then you drive yourself crazy all day looking for something, and then you finally get the first big tranche of information to pour over that is when, at least in my mind, election day slash election night really begins. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we're definitely at the point where it's time to start looking at some of these real numbers and figuring out how right or wrong some of these polls were. And, you know, I think there's been a 
feeling, uh, based on the numbers, that this is sort of trending more red. But then in the last few days, there have been a lot of uh, folks that I've spoken to, strategists on both sides of the aisle, who say that they think these Senate races are just continuing to get tighter and tighter in the final days. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. And there'll be some early results. But then I, I'm having an increasingly um, strong feeling that we're going to be waiting on quite a few of these places in the states and Senate races in particular. Yeah, entirely possible, especially some of those races out west. And depending on sort of the way that they're counting in Pennsylvania, could be waiting a long time for those finalized results. Georgia, of course, if no one gets to 50 plus 1 percent in at least one of the races, that could go to a runoff. And we're talking about weeks of this. It's like the groundhog comes out and says, nope, more weeks of election season in Georgia. We'll be, I think, getting at least some sense early on of how the night is expected to go overall. I think Republicans, as I've been talking about earlier in the show, are feeling pretty good. The question is, could it get really good for them? We'll know very soon what's sort of like the TikTok behind the scenes timeline that you guys have been preparing for, rehearsing for, walking through at Fox News as you and Brett and the whole team plan to anchor and sort of pilot this ship for the next five, six, seven hours. But when you start the evening, you're obviously looking at the seven o'clock closes, which include Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina. Vermont and Virginia. And I think, you know, there's one house race in Indiana that we're going to watch very closely that hopefully we're going to get some numbers in on fairly early in the evening. And that's Frank Mervan uh, against Jennifer Ruth Green, who is an Air Force veteran. He's the, the Democrat incumbent in this race. And, uh, she ran last time around, um, came close, but uh, she's definitely someone who's on the radar in this toss-up category. So that would be those kind of early indicators. And the other place we're watching really closely is Virginia in the 2nd, 7th, and 10th districts in Virginia, which in a way could indicate whether it's kind of what I'm calling a pink night. <laughs> if the 2nd district in Virginia goes uh, to the red side and then in the 7th district, it's a little bit steeper climb, so that could indicate if that one does go for Republicans, that could indicate that it's a bit redder. And the 10th district is tricky. That's the one of the three that Glenn Young cannot win. And, and it's a little a little fuzzy because these some of these lines have been slightly redrawn. So it's, it's just sort of a general way to look at it. But the 10th is a very steep climb. He lost that by one point. Um, if that one goes to the GOP, then that would also tell us quite a bit about what may be to come as well. Yeah, I think it would be like decent, ripple-ish, small wave if it's only Virginia 2, wave, and a good one if it's Virginia 7 as well, and just full-blown tsunami if somehow District 10 goes down here in the state where I live. So I'm watching that closely. You mentioned Indiana 1 as well. Statewide, of course, Georgia closing early. The governor's race is expected to go red. The Senate race, will it go to the runoff? These are things that will probably take some more time uh, to really get a handle on. Martha, one of the questions that I get a lot from people, viewers and even just friends, and I asked Bill Hemmer about this the other day as well in studio when I was up in New York, people are fascinated by all of the moving parts behind the scenes on something as big and significant as election night coverage on a network like ours. And I know that there will be millions of people watching glued to their TVs. You guys don't just sort of roll out of bed 
on Election Day morning and say, OK, let's go cover the election. There has been intensive preparations for this night from the technical side, from the decision desk side, and, of course, from the, the on-air side for many months. I know there were some uh, real sort of like rehearsals, real-time rehearsals going on over the weekend as well. What little insights and tidbits can you give folks who are just sort of excited to know more about that? Well, I can tell you that when we did our rehearsal that Brett and I and the other panelists joined on Sunday, I sat down at the desk and looked around and I said, wow, this is incredible. I I mean, I've covered, I don't know, this is like I think my sixth cycle of of elections, I think. So um, between midterms and presidentials, uh, the the room is amazing. The the boards are better than they have ever been. The animations on things I think are going to make it even more clear for people to read and digest the information, which is a really big, important point to me. I think you have to be able to look at the screen and say, okay, I get it. I know how much of the vote is in. I know um, a little something about these two candidates. I know how long the incumbent has been an incumbent. All the stuff that we want people to sort of be able to see and hear while we're, we're talking about it. And I just think that we have a terrific team to do all of that. But I give so much credit to the folks behind the scenes because they've been building not only the Fox News uh, voter analysis, which is our really elevated form of exit polls, which talks to people who vote early, talks to people who mail in, talks to people who vote day of, and asks them a whole bunch of questions about what's moving their vote, who are they, how have their opinions changed, all of that. Shannon's going to break all that down. So, um, you know, not to mention, you know, all of our decision team who've developed this terrific, we used to have these huge books that we would kind of go through and and read for weeks in advance about all the different races. They've now put all of that onto our iPads so we can flip around them really easily and pull up races when we want to get a closer look at them. So um, it's a very, um, it's a really sophisticated form of election coverage, which I I think is going to make it really easy for all of us to follow along. And I hope uh, the folks at home just are glued to it for hours because we will be. One race that's gotten a lot of attention nationally is the New York governor's race. And Martha, you and I have talked about this in the past. You live across the river in New Jersey. We remember what happened last year where Governor Murphy won, but boy, it was a lot closer than he was expecting. And there were some dicey moments late into the evening on election night 2021 for him and for Democrats in New Jersey with a very big swing away from the Democrats toward the Republicans in that state. And I think part of the reason that people were so stunned was because they were really caught off guard. There was very little polling pointing in that direction. People were just sleeping on New Jersey. No one is sleeping on New York this time around. At the very least, the Democrats sort of woke up late in the process in New York, sending in tons of money, all these surrogates for Kathy Hochul. And I saw she gave a statement, I believe it was just yesterday, on the crime issue, sort of attacking her opponent, Lee Zeldin, on the crime issue. Here's what she said, in case you missed it, cut 12. You know, he has been hyperventilating, trying to scare people for months. And New Yorkers are onto it. All the legitimate media organizations have called him out for what he is doing, fear-mongering. And it's not just here in New York. That has been the Republican playbook all across this country. All you need to know is that the Democratic states are safer than the Republican states. Check out the facts. Well, we can check out the facts. And if you look at homicide rates of the top, I believe, 40 cities in the country, In terms of homicide rate, 37 are Democratic cities, the top 22, all Democratic cities. I don't know who she's trying to fool on this, 
But that word, hyperventilating, he's hyperventilating over crime. Martha, she was ignoring, Hochul was, she was ignoring crime and the economy to a large extent in favor of January 6th and abortion month after month after month. I saw a story just yesterday, CNBC reporting that some of her top strategists and donors were urging her to pivot to crime in the economy. It's like, well, you can't pivot. It's the day before the election. These are choices that she's made for a long time. I just think it's a very curious decision, given what the polling shows on crime in New York, that she would make her closing argument poo-pooing her Republican opponent on the seriousness of crime. And Bill Clinton came to town and also mocked people who are concerned about crime. He said, what do they think? Kathy Hochul's, you know, just going down there with nightsticks and handing them out in the subway system. Um, You know, weird. And as to Lee Zeldin hyperventilating, I think, you know, anyone might be a little unnerved if someone had lunged onto the stage and tried to attack them with a knife in front of a whole, you know, park full of people. Uh, He also had gunfire going off in his front yard. And I think... A lot of people in the New York metropolitan area, where I live as well, have seen this sort of creeping into their neighborhoods in ways that are very, very unnerving and very real. So to mock it and to make it sound like, um, you know, people are hyperventilating, I don't think it's going to work well for her. It's a really tight race. Everyone I've spoken to says, look, you know, it, it, she could very easily still win the governor's race in New York. On the other hand, I spoke to George Pataki, who is the last Republican who won it back in 1994, ironically against Mario Cuomo, father of Andrew Cuomo. And he said to me, you know, I was down by 12 in the polls in the days before the race. And he won it. So, you know, it's going to be we'll, – we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in New York. And the other thing I would say is it's great that you bring up that governor's race in New Jersey because Jack Tudorelli almost won that race. And I just remember noticing in New Jersey, boy, there's a heck of a lot, have a lot of signs for him. wonder if it's just in my neighborhood, but it wasn't. It was enthusiasm that was all across the state. So these things don't happen overnight. They often bump up against wins or narrow – the spread in the prior election or the prior two elections, and then they sort of start to push over the top. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of politicians much, uh, you know, that kind of wake-up call that really should have been coming to them for the last 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, that if they had been paying attention to what was going on, they might uh, not be in a situation where they have to pivot in the days before. Yep. And we had Lee Zeldin on the show recently, and he was very candid. He said, look, we have to win more than 30 percent in New York City, preferably into the mid-30s. We have to blow it out on Long Island and a few other places, and we need to win upstate. He said that combination of factors, we can win this thing. So far, in the very early going, looking at the early data and that kind of thing, it's still plausible. The other side of it is it's still a very, very blue state, and the Democrats could just have mediocre turnout and win. So we'll be watching that race closely, but many of them all across the map. That would be sort of one of the huge upsets if Zeldin can win it. And as I keep saying, even if it's super close and he loses, down-ballot implications all over the state of New York, that has meaning when it comes to the House of Representatives and the type of wave that we might see there. So a lot of very interesting things happening this evening, all of which will be covered in detail by our team here at Fox News, Democracy 2020, the election night coverage beginning just in a few minutes, 6 p.m. Eastern time with Brett Bayer and my guest Martha McCallum, Bill Hemmer's on board, Harris Faulkner, Shannon Bream, and then a whole host of commentators and analysts from Dana Perino to Brit Hume to Juan Williams, Trey Gowdy, Carl Rove, Kellyanne Conway, Josh Krasauer, 
correspondents all across the country. I will also be part of the coverage, popping on from time to time from D.C. with some analysis and thoughts. Looking forward to that. Martha, we'll be watching. Talk to you on TV tonight. Look forward to it. Thanks, Guy. Happy Election Day. And that's Martha McCallum on The Guy Benson Show, the home stretch, coming up. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Home stretch, Election Day edition. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day. As I just mentioned with Martha, I'll be on tonight. Part of the Fox News team coverage of the 2022 national elections. I'm told that I might appear on a panel in the 9 p.m. hour, the 11 p.m. hour, and perhaps beyond as well. Everything's a bit fluid, though, so we shall see. Hope you will tune in one way or another. And, of course, full analysis here tomorrow, same time, same place on the radio. Now, one of the things that we were talking about yesterday, and we've been building up toward Election Day, with producer Christine digging in her heels and insisting, frankly, like many Republicans do, on voting on Election Day itself. It's just something like in the DNA of Republican voters, conservative voters, they want to vote on Election Day in the precinct, in the voting booth, with a ballot. That's just how they prefer it. And Republicans all across the country are hoping that a lot of those Republicans are voting, in fact, today. Because, as we've talked about, you want to overcome some of the early balloting leads that Democrats have banked. And as we look at some of the numbers leaking out here and there, it looks like, in a lot of places, Republicans are doing exactly that. But we won't know for sure until we get the hard numbers. And Quiet Wyatt, our D.C.-based assistant producer, was very concerned that producer Christine might for whatever reason, end up not getting to her polling place on Election Day itself. He was trying to convince her to vote early. He was offering to provide like a designated driver situation for her to the polling location if necessary, and she was rebuffing all of it. So the question, Christine, is, did you vote today? I sure did. Okay, and do you have any proof? Was there a sticker? I voted. I have the sticker. I will post it at CookiesJar1988 on Twitter. That's good. Um, And Wyatt need not worry because Cookie has voted. Cookie was up actually very, very early because uh, Megan, Bobby, and I were trying to track down the uh, blood moon this morning, and we could not find it. Okay, just so people are understanding at home, if they're new to the program, producer Christine is who we're talking to here, and she goes in and out of the third person sometimes. Cookie is a reference to herself, one of her nicknames. She has several. So producer Christine is Cookie. She just fluctuates back and forth, first person, third person. Just want to make sure that you're following this at home. Now, Wyatt, are you satisfied that Christine did, in fact, go out to vote today? And how did you vote? Yes, I'm very satisfied, very, very happy. Um, happy that we have full, I guess, representation on the show that everyone voted. That's very four important. Four for four. Good. Yes. And, um, and I voted this past weekend early in person. And so I'll be watching all the New Jersey districts. I know which district Christine is in. So I'll be making sure that, that, that the margin there is, is within one, one vote so that if we, if we, if, if the person prevails in that district, uh, then Christine would have done her job. Would have done her part. And, Dan, are you a day of or early guy? 
I'm an early guy because I'm still Connecticut, so I had to send it in. Makes sense. So three of the four of us voted early. Christine waited till the day of, and now we wait. But we don't have to wait that much longer. Fox News national coverage on the news channel on the TV side begins in a matter of seconds. And that coverage will go into the wee hours of the night with the whole crew that we were talking about earlier. Then Trace Gallagher taking over in the late night slot. Then we'll be back here when we're off TV, get a few hours of sleep. I'll do some writing back on the radio. We will break down everything that we have tomorrow, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Until then, enjoy the coverage. Go America. Let's see if this wave rolls in. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.